I'm betrothed, clean YA fantasy with a Latin twist. Coming up next, right here on The Right Stuff. Welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen, Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we are going to be talking to my guest co-host and contributor, Candice Pedraza Yamnit. She is the author of the book, Unbetrolled. Let me tell you, I thoroughly enjoyed this book. It has everything you want in a young adult fantasy with just a little hint of romance. It just rounds it all out. But it is so exciting because it's in the world with strong Latin influences. And some people were always talking about we want something different to read. Well, let me tell you, you'll get the familiar and the unique when you pick up your copy of Unbetrothed, available wherever books are sold. I can't wait to get into it in just a few moments. I want to thank you all for your support of my newest release, A Chance for Zhao Xin. It's available on Amazon exclusively, so go ahead and pick up your copy today. Your response has been absolutely phenomenal. So if you haven't had a chance to pick it up, i love to hear your thoughts. So pick it up today. As always, we want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years. And as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. There's a couple of ways to stay up to date with PJC Media. You can log on to pjcmedia.net, click on that pink follow button, and you'll never, ever have to miss a show. Join us on our new YouTube channel at PJC Media. All the shows we have, we're actually moving shows from our PJC Media net to the YouTube channel. So that's going to be really exciting and interesting. We're also going to have exclusives that are going to be on that channel and so much more. So stay up to date as we update our YouTube channel. And so without further ado, I'm going to bring my guests on today. Candice, how you doing? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? I am so glad that you took time out of your schedule to be here with me. I never take it lightly, and I say that all the time, but it's really true. You could have been doing anything else of what you're doing right now, which is talking to me. And let me tell you, I'm so thankful to have you here. Really excited about showcasing Unbetrothed to our listeners. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Now, I got to let our listeners know, I met Candace through Steve Burnett from Lorehaven. She was interviewing him about Lorehaven and the mission behind Lorehaven, things about readers, about fantasy and fantastical tales. I was so impressed that I just bothered her. <laughs> and I said, can I have you on my show? And she was so kind to say yes. So that's why we're here. And then when I read her book, Unbetrothed, let me tell you, it was so good. It has such a unique premise to it, had wonderful detail Lots of things are going on in this story, but when you read it, you're surprised at how effective Candace is 
in showing all these things. There's so many different things interwoven through it as well. And for those of you who are looking for young adult alternatives to the more secular, sexualized young adult fantasy fiction out there, this is definitely a good recommendation. And we'll get to that in just a few moments. But Candace, I always want you to tell us a little bit about yourself. I can always read your bio. That's only words. So go ahead, tell us about it. Hi, so my name is Candace Pedraza Yamnes. I am a homeschooling mom and I blog on Storyteller Squad and I'm on Instagram. I write YA novels and chapter books for kids. All of them are fantasy. So if there is a lot of noise in the background, it's my kids running around the room, thin walls. Another thing about myself is I am a Christian. I gave myself to Christ when I was a teenager and I've been growing ever since. This writing happened a little bit later in life. I actually did not like to read at all. And I, it wasn't until I actually gave my life to Christ when I was a junior in high school at the end of the year that I started reading the Bible. And I got really involved in my reading the Bible. I read the whole New Testament. I was reading through the Old Testament. I thought, you know, I'm spending every hour doing this, which is great. I loved it. But I'm like, what else do Christians do? I had no idea. So I decided, I'm like, well, Lord of the Rings looks like a good book. And I started reading Lord of the Rings and I enjoyed it. It was the first time I ever enjoyed a book just because that I would stay up late reading. And I realized I found my book and I continued reading after that off and on. So yeah, that's my story with reading. I eventually became a teacher and I taught in a bilingual and dual language classroom. So I started reading younger for kids and I love that interaction. I'm, I love reading aloud books and seeing kids move to the edge of their seat and fall in love with fiction and just reading in general. So that's kind of where my heart is. In this. Reading does so many things for people. It takes you away from the problems of the world. And when it comes to fantasy, what's really unique is it gives us the opportunity as writers to hone in what I call our God complex, because we have the ability to create worlds with our ink and paper. And just like the Lord brought everything into existence by his spoken word, we do the same thing on a more limited scale. And so that's one of the things I love about fantasy. Now, you mentioned some big heavy hitters here. You hit J.R. Toykin, and J.R. Toykin is taking the culture by storm. And so many people want to use his work now, but in a way, they're trying to kind of dilute his work. How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, you take away the heart of the story if you start diluting his work and trying to make it different. I mean, people could give their interpretations, but it'll never be exactly the right interpretation unless you look at through it, his worldview. So, I mean, it's interesting. I think that's with every retelling. Unless you look at it through their worldview, it won't be right. And I think that's where the culture gets it wrong is that they want to take away his worldview, which was very much interwoven throughout the story, and then put their own substitution in front of it. That's why a lot of people were mad when they first heard about Rings of Power, because they knew they were taking everything out of context. Now, some people enjoyed it anyway. I didn't particularly watch it because Lord of the Rings is not my fandom. Star Trek is my fandom. So I didn't really get into it. I like the movies like everyone else, but it's not my fandom. <laughs> so I have other fandoms, but Star Trek is my obsession. And most of my listeners already know that. So I would say that that foundation of biblical reading plus the granddaddy of Christian fiction, along with more likely C.S. Lewis, I assume, 
So actually, with C.S. Lewis, I appreciate his work. Honestly, I probably appreciate more of his nonfiction work. I've read maybe Carol Landrum. I've tried to read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and I just haven't been able to get into it. I'm like, I think I have to just try it a different season, but I have not been able to get into it. Oh, it's okay. Some people, they're like, oh my gosh, you haven't done this? No, <laughs> I haven't. So I get it. I liked Lying the Witch in the Wardrobe, especially as a kid. Could I appreciate it now? Probably not because my thoughts have changed over the years. But I could just see how this foundation led you to write Unbetrothed. And so I want our listeners to know a little bit about Unbetrothed. But before we go into that, what is the genesis of the story? So with this story, I've been writing another one for a while. I decided one day when I was reading YA fiction, I love YA fiction, but I noticed that the themes in there were just, they weren't in line with my worldview. There were some things that were creeping in that were very dark. I felt dark after reading and I'm like, I'm not seeing the story I want to see. I wanted to see something that had a theme that was Christian and with redemption. And I wanted to see something also that represented me in a way that like showed my culture a little bit of, you know, just me inside the story. So that's why it has a Latin twist. But as I was writing, I saw this. I was a youth group leader for a while. And we're sitting at a table. There's a new girl next to me, a girl I'd known for a while. And my husband was there. The guys that were in his group were there as well. And one of the girls gets up and she's like, this is boring. And like just stomps away. And I'm just like, I think I have to write about that because I used to be her. And so I started exploring that character and just what she would go through and a lot of the stories I was reading at the time, the main characters were the special ones. And they were the only ones with a special ability. And I wanted to write about a girl who was the only one without a special ability. And she had a huge chip on her shoulder. And so I explored that with um, writing through about Beatrice and putting her in a world where she was the only one who wasn't exceptional. I love that you did that. It reminds me of an anime I used to watch back in the day called Slayers. And around the time that the anime was going on here, the characters of that particular genre were all big busted girls and they're all highly sexy and the men were stropping with big muscles, things like that. And then Slayers had this tiny petite little girl who was loud mouthed. She wasn't demure. She said what she wanted to say. She was like the anti-princess actually, or anti, in, in the book it was anti-sorceress. And uh, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. So I like that you did that. But it also shows something, I think, young adults who are learning how to navigate the world deal with. And what's that thing that they deal with? Just feeling unworthy or just like they struggle with self-worth. Like who are they? Their identity. And dealing with kind of like a little bit of disappointment in that regard. So I really wanted to to show them that maybe it's not necessarily in how special you are, how pretty you are, or your special, whatever that special ability you think you need to have in order to be worthy. God's already given you your worth in being a child of God. And everyone has a worth in that they're created as human. Like, so I wanted to show that in there. And I think I put that throughout with the other characters, even with the father and the mother talking to her. Like, they're like, okay, we're not going to help you get this gift. And because we think you don't need it, but even though she thinks you need it. So I kind of wanted to put together a story that where she's learning that, you know, it's not all about what she has and how special she is. It's actually not about her at all. <laughs> Another thing that you did, and a few reviewers made mention of this, is just 
She starts off quite unlikable, but I couldn't help but like that about her because we all have been her, okay? Everyone on the planet has been a brat, okay? Very few have been saints. I say that because I can remember being younger thinking I knew everything. And now that the Lord has blessed me to where I am now, it's like, I don't know anything at all. Thank you, Lord, I'm still here. It is a wonder that I made it to this age, you know, that type of thing. You know what I mean, Candace? And so I think it was necessary to show this quote-unquote unlikable for some people, heroine whose journey we are following. I definitely felt that. I think it's interesting. My dad read the story, which I was really nervous when he read it. But afterwards, he's like, Candice, you wrote a story about yourself. And I'm like, in many ways, yes, I really did. I wrote a redemption story about a person who is very unlikable, who struggles with themselves, who struggles with, is easily judge other people. Like, oh my, this person's terrible but then they don't see their own faults at all. They're just completely unaware of what they're doing. So I wanted to take her on a journey and show her that. And finally, you can see when she reflects and she sees herself a bit more clearly and see the change. I think that there's something beautiful about that. I see that every time I, ha- I see a testimony. So I don't know. I, I don't necessarily always see that in stories. And it was a blast to write. I mean, I also have a side characters in the story, like a lot or Laude. She's the opposite of Beatrice in many ways, but at the same time, she's also not quite, she's not self-aware and she's going through the journey with her. There are two girls and one's a maid, Laude's a maid and Princess Beatrice is, she's a princess and she is exactly what you would assume, like a princess who has a little bit of a puff image of herself going through the journey together. It was a lot of fun to play with their characters to see how they bounce off of each other. And then we add into the mix, their mortal enemy being the people who are actually helping her through the journey. And that part is just made for a lot of fun play, a lot of interaction where people just aren't doing things right. Also, I wanted, she was a little bit clumsy as well. She has like many incidences and I just love playing with that because I feel like that happens all the time to me as a person. I think I have everything set. I'm like this big poncho person and the princess. And then all of a sudden I trip in front of everyone. I am, yes, humbled. (laughs) We all need moments like that though, Candice. I think we all do, so we don't get too puffed up in our heads. But some people, what they'll do, they'll fall, roll over, and keep going. And you'll be like, you left your earring on the floor. And they go, no, that earring was there before I fell. So (laughs) we have people who bluff it off that way. Now, I talked a lot about the Latin influence in this story, but it bears repeating because you don't see a lot of that. And I think that really added to the uniqueness of the story. So there's a family element to that. And I know within Latin America, generally speaking, family is a very strong element in the community. And I like that aspect. So tell us about her mom and dad. And real quickly, Candace, how are you saying, I'm saying Beatrice, but how are you saying it? In my head, I always say Beatrice. Beatrice. Okay. Okay. I want to say it right. So I'm going to call her Beatrice. That's what I see. I know it's like a form of Beatrice, you know, so I was just like. So honestly, I say it in both English and Spanish because I, when I was writing, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm writing to an American crowd. So I want them to be able to say the names as best as possible. But yes, in my head, I would say them probably in Spanglish. But yeah, about the family element. I definitely wanted a story with their half family, like a mom, a dad, they're close, they love each other. But there's definitely tension in different regards because obviously she's not getting what she wants. And the family, they kiss each other on the cheek. They talk to each other. I have the brother where she teases her. And 
I had a lot of fun with that because I reflected like a little bit on my family. Like my dad's a little bit of sterner one, but he's also an encourager. And I put that little bit of that in there. I think the story's done a lot of injustice when they're always dead, those parents, or when the parents are so distant that they don't have a relationship. And that's not real life for me. And I thought that was a good thing too, Candace, because sometimes you read these young early novels and the parents aren't anywhere. <laughs> You're like, why doesn't anyone care about this kid? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or the parents are so awful that they have to be on their own. And I know it's that you're making your reader go on the journey with the protagonist, but then you let the reader know they can't go on the journey on their own. They do have parents, good, bad, or indifferent. They do have them, you know? And so I, I like that aspect of it too. And so let's go ahead and dig into Unbetrol. In your own words, tell us what the story is all about. It's about a princess who makes mortal oath to go on a quest for magic. It's definitely a cross between Lord of the Rings and Pride and Prejudice. Usually I don't say those two because those are really big and fancy ones, but it kind of is. And the fact that it is a high fantasy and it has some of that Regency sort of feel or like older feel. I tried to go with Renaissance. So whenever I did research about unbetrothed and the different technology they had, I would look up Renaissance technology. So that is my story. And she goes on this quest into Valle de los Fantasmas, where she, she wants to get a special ability that is bestowed by a wiser. Now, she just, I don't want to spoil it. Actually, I was about to spoil it. Never mind. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, we are spoiler sensitive on the right stuff. We don't like spoilers. So <laughs> we don't like too many spoilers, I should say. So for me, I tend to read a book blind because I do read so many books and I read the blurb and the blurb may give it, give it away. So I like to read blind so I don't know what's going on. That way I'm just as surprised as anyone else who just didn't know. So, and this was a pleasant surprise. And I've told my listeners this before, young adult doesn't always appeal to me, but so far I have been extremely blessed that everyone I've interviewed on this show who's written young adult know how to write books. <laughs> so yeah, you know, I really enjoyed this one. So let's go ahead and I would love for you to read an excerpt from Unbetrothed. So I am reading right here. Yes. I sat on my vanity chair, winding and unwinding the golden chain of my mysterious pocket watch around my arm. Mila, the head lady's mate, drone on about the particulars for tonight, the ball, the suitors, all the details besides the ones I desired. A shimmer on my hands caught my attention. I stilled and my eyes widened. The metallic lines reached my second knuckle. A sense of urgency gripped my chest. If I fled the palace grounds at the end of the night, would that give me enough time to fulfill my oath? Laud scrunched her face in concentration and stabbed pins in the braid and spiraled into a bunt at the top of my head. Each tiny jab against my scalp punctuated my thoughts. Mila clasped my shoulder, jolting my back. Your father will bow and guide you with first choice and suitors. Remember, you are expected to send half the suitors away by the end of tonight and announce your top choices. A stronger alliance to a powerful lord will help keep the insults from edging onto our territory. The sandwich I ate at the garden party threatened to make a second appearance. Do you suppose choosing a suitor tonight would end this whole parade sooner? Milaha, this is a matter of great importance. I don't see why your parents don't choose for you, but yes. If you choose tonight, you can be married by the end of the week. Sweat from my palm slickened the pocket watch in my hand. I squeezed my fingers along the golden rim and pressed the latch, 
a melancholy tune rang out of the mechanism and thoughts clinked through my mind. Drag the ceremony on until a way of escape presents itself. What if there are no opportunities to flee? Perhaps Papa might be more reasonable than Mama when he hears about what I've done. The foreign song continued to play and soothed my bristled nerves. Mila's narrowed eyes suddenly widened. Where did you get that? It was a gift I received at the garden party. I gnawed on my bottom lip and lifted the golden orb into my line of vision. The jagged grooves circled the cover like a mountain ridge on all sides. Mila snatched the pocket watch. I must speak to the queen about this. Deep wrinkles pinched between her bras. Then she fled my bedroom and the door slammed behind her. I clenched my teeth. Why did she take my watch? What had gotten her so upset? I should be the one bolting to Mama's room. Your markings look more pronounced. Laude poked another pin against my skull. A fluttering panic surged within me. Are they? I didn't notice. I rubbed my bare forearms, thankful for the long sleeves I'd wear tonight. Laude tucked yellow and orange flowers into my braid. She pulled out wisps of hair to curl them with her finger. Will this do? She smiled wide, puffing her chest. The moment our eyes met in the mirror, she sucked in her cheeks. Let's just get the gown on, I said. Laude arranged the bulk of wool and silk layers, and I stepped through the center. She lifted the fabric and tied the back of my dress. How was I to breathe with so many troubles clawing at me? I could be dead by the end of the week. Whatever benefits I was to the kingdom would be lost. Ta-da! She skipped around the front. One glance in the mirror told me she had done well. The red dress accentuated my curves. The puffed sleeves hid my markings and the gold embellishments sparkled. She had many faults, but also many talents. Should I praise her even after the terror she inspired this morning? Mama always said that a leader should respect all their people, including Laude. I held back a groan. Yes, this will do. I watched disappointment spill into her features and felt I should say more, but I didn't. Nothing kept Laude upset for long, so why exert myself? Someone knocked at the door, and a servant informed us it was time. We marched through the corridors and down the marble stairway, leading to the royal entrance into the Grand Hall. The most esteemed guests from the Agatha Sea Kingdoms all waited for me behind the arched doors. There really was no escaping today. My insides and a sour taste burned my tongue. So many expectant gazes. It brought me back to my seven-year-old self on the day I failed to receive my magical gift. Breathe, Beatrice, breathe. Mila did not say I needed to marry tonight. Today will quiet the gossip about a worthless princess. My chest tightened. I stood tall and nodded to the guards who wore my family's golden sigil on their doublet, the symbol reminding of my role in society. After I get my gift, I'll have an even greater role. The towering door swung open and the crowd blurred on each side of the walkway they created with their bodies. Candlelight reflected on the lattice design, racing down the marble flooring. At the end of the hall, Papa held my gaze as he sat on his gilded throne, Mama and Cosme beside him. I stepped forward. The bottom of my gown skimmed the tops of my feet, setting my nerves on fire. I tightened my facial muscles into an austere expression, a dignified look. I practiced in the mirror all my life. Each step weighed heavily. Mama's double strand of pearls choked my neck. To think they felt elegant only an hour ago. Way to the dais, keep moving, right foot, left foot. My heels clicked on the door. 
hundreds bowed and curtsied on each side, igniting flames of confidence in my gate. This was how it should be. At the end of my walk, a servant offered his arm to help me up the stairs. I lifted my crimson skirt, ignoring him. A dignified princess doesn't help, but I miscalculated the step and my foot slipped. I dropped my skirt and my hands hit the edge of a stair before my face could. A collective gasp echoed through the cavernous room. Humiliation layered on humiliation. I blinked back tears. The same servant offered a hand, his bra wrinkling. A rush of heat shot to my cheeks. If only I could disappear. I pulled myself up on my own and climbed the last step. My dear papa and mama remained seated, but they leaned forward. Chin up, shoulders back. I curtsied in front of papa's golden throne. I took my seat next to mama. My vision grew fuzzy until the individual spectators lumped together into one gawking mass. The whine of a violin commenced. Musicians strummed externa, and the tap of drums mingled through the hall. Forward with a serene expression, Mama whispered from the corner of her mouth, this will soon be over. And that is an excerpt from Umbertrope, which is on Amazon or wherever books are sold. So make sure you go ahead and get your copy today. I was actually laughing again when you read that part because she did fall in all her finery. And you're kind of sitting there like, oh, <laughs> just kind of like this, oh. And I could just see the crowd doing that. But it's okay. You know, she learns more than just that when you get your copy of Unbetrothed. And so I want our listeners to, first of all, know that Unbetrothed is a single title so far, right? Or is it going to be a, a next title? Well, I am writing a sequel. OMG. Yes, I'm really, really excited. I actually have a lot of readers who messaged me afterwards saying, so when's the next one coming out? which was really, really fun and encouraging because, you know, if you ever have written anything and shared it with people, it's always nerve-wracking. You're like, anyone going to understand my story? Is it silly? And if you read it so many times that you forget exactly what you loved about it as you're writing. So, yes, I'm really excited to share the next part of her story and what happened. That is absolutely amazing. It makes me feel really good about myself now. So I'm so glad we're going to have another book. I don't want you to tell us any more about it, but I always ask about what your next projects are. So I know you're working on that. Can't wait to have you on the show about the sequel as well. Now, we are getting close to the end of our time today, Candace. It's been just so much fun having you with us. I want people to have an opportunity to connect with you. So where can they find you online? So you can go to my website, I am CandaceYemnitz.com, or you can find me on Instagram as Candace Yemnitz, that's my handle, or Facebook, Candace Yemnitz. I have a very unique name. So yes, you could check out the name Candace is spelled with an I. In the few moments we have left, this show is always about encouraging authors whom God has given the gift to write to pick up the pen and do so. So go ahead and encourage them. Writing is a gift that you're able to create new worlds and you could be creative and you can explore the things that God has put on your heart and put them on the page. I see that in the Bible, Jesus is telling stories in order to, to show us something. And I think it's really cool that we get to participate in that. I'm not saying that my writing is perfect by any means. I'm an imperfect person, but I get to do something that my God does. So that's really cool. And I think that you should be encouraged and know that if you are praying over it and looking at it through that perspective, it'll change the way that you write. It'll change the way that you think about your audience. Your audience are people that you're wanting to encourage and they're brothers and sisters, a lot of them, not everyone. 
But so yes, that's my main audience. I reach other people who aren't believers. That's great too. And I hope that they see the deeper message. Sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. And I think that's okay. Candace, what wonderful words of wisdom that you gave us today. And thank you so much for joining me. And I cannot wait to have you back and have you back real soon. Yes. Just uh, another note. I forgot. And I'm actually um, publishing a book called Destiny and Kygo Poof. This is my chapter book. So that one is coming out hopefully May, June. Yes. So that's the next one. So hopefully I can either chat with you about it later or, you know, if you want to follow me, you can come and check out what I'm doing. All right. We would love to have you to talk about that, too. So we got lots of stuff coming up from Candace gang. So, you know, we're going to be busy here at Right Stuff, keeping up with her, which I'm totally is exciting. So thank you for being with us, Candace. Really enjoyed having you. Yes. Thank you for inviting me. It's really great to chat about writing and reading and the heart of the story. And we were talking today to Candace Yamnitz. She is the author of the book, um, Betrothed. If you'd like fantasy, princess stories, a little bit of adventure, all of that is mixed into this wonderful tale of a young girl's redemption. Go ahead and pick up your copy of Unbetrothed today, wherever books are sold. One thing I really enjoyed about this interview with Candace is that she used her culture as a way to help facilitate the story. And there has been a call for people, particularly within the Christian fiction community, that they do want to have more different ways of explaining things through culture. And what if that is the call of your heart? You want to write fiction for Christians. You want to have your culture magnified or amplified through that, but you aren't doing it because you think no one would actually read it. Well, that's obviously not true because we read Candace's book and read so many other books with that. So if that story is within you, what are you doing? Go ahead, pick up the pen and write stuff. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the queen, Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day.